You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Today we're talking about hive equipment and tools, and boy, there are lots of different pieces of equipment and boxes and frames and tools and gadgets and gizmos and and a whole lot of things you don't need. Today we're going to talk about what we use, maybe why we use them, and uh, what has worked well so far for us and what hasn't uh, in our beginning experience. Let's get after it. Boy, there's a whole lot of variety of different pieces of equipment and tools, and let us just be up front and say... We're we're going to talk about some of these uh, and the things that we prefer is just our is just that things that we prefer in our context. Yeah, I'd say that's about true. Yeah, we'll try to keep it short because this can definitely be a can of worms very very quick. Oh yeah, and it can get really controversial quick just as fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you we've talked about installing the bees uh, and bringing them to your bee yard and getting them set up. Uh, when you have bees in a beehive. The first thing is you have to have a place to set those, right? Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to put them on the ground. And there's lots of different things that folks uh, use uh, to put the hives on. Yeah. Exactly. I've heard of uh, pallet, wood pallets, yep. cinder blocks, even to fancy hive stands we can have, have built for us. Uh, my fancy pants stands are rough cut two by six oak. They're actually like two by six inches. Uh, the Amish milled out for me, and I think I have fifteen dollars in each stand. That's yeah, and that's exactly what I use. I seen that uh, last year when I was down to Don's yard. Uh, I saw those stands, and I just seemed like, oh my gosh! Not only easy to build, but they're durable and uh, they're portable. They're portable. You know, a lot of folks uh, that are using pallets are probably using them because they're bringing in uh, forks to move the pallets to to put them on trucks and move them around and things. Pallets are easy to. I kind of have a pallet fetish myself, and we've got pallets laying around here for all kind of different things. Um, uh, but I don't use pallets uh, for a hive stand. Um, I like, to, like I said, I do the same thing. I build them at a true two by sixes uh, and at a rough cut lumber. I just use pine. I don't even paint them. Um, I'm not real worried about them rotting out because I can build them for uh, even less than than uh, than that. So. But I like to build them to where the hive stands are at knee height. So my the very my bottom board is right at knee height. So when I'm working one or two boxes, I'm, I'm just looking down at the box. I'm not bending over, um, making it hard for me. And it's also nice at my knee height um, is a lot of what we do is the, the kids and my wife Susan is out helping us with um, the BR too. And it's it's when they're at knee height, you have less bending over into a hive, um, and they're up off the ground out of the grass. Uh, and it seems to work out pretty well for me. And what would you say the, the working parts of a hive stand are for anyone out there who doesn't know, who's never had one before? So, yeah, so you pretty much um, on, you know, whether it's if it's a hive stand, and let's say we're not talking about a cinder block or a pallet, but it's actually a physical stand. Um, you have your front and back rail um, that are built to what, whatever width that you prefer, but the width is smaller than the bee hive itself, so the hive can sit on on top. So you have the front and the back rail, and you have legs it could be four legs it could be six legs but um, basically it's four corner legs a front rail and a back rail um, and you might throw a piece in between for support in between your front and back rail in a couple places um, and like I said it's it's 
really handy because when you're working your hives, you can pop off your lid and things and set it right on top of the stand uh, and not be put everything on the ground. So these front and back rails, you put uh, two by fours, two by sixes in them. I, I use two by sixes. Um, mine are twelve feet long mm-hmm. uh, and right about fourteen, sixteen inches in width. Um, and I, my boxes are only about a box width spacing in between. So I have five to six hives uh, per twelve foot, uh, 10, ten to twelve foot uh, run of, of, of a stand. So I kind of I kind of have mine packed in there a little bit tight. Yeah, I noticed that too with my hive stand was I initially went for a nine foot um, <clears throat> two by six and it wasn't enough, even for having three stand uh, hives, it didn't seem like it was enough space. So I, I moved to 12 feet. Yeah, nine foot. Yeah. You know, because uh, if you have a box, you know, that's let's just say you know, 21 to 24 inches in width on a full size box, you know, if you need your spacing ends up being four feet per box, if you want to be able to set another box in between. Get, that spacing gets smaller and smaller as you get down to a five frame box. Um, but uh, it's nice to be able to have to lay your things down on the stand and not be on the ground. You know, uh, it also is great because um, your everything is in within reach. You're not bending over, um, and every every ounce of energy you save in the bee yard, um, especially once you get multiple hives, you're saving yourself energy and time, and you get into a rhythm and you build muscle memory and, and you you build habits. Um, in the hive just like anything else and it's um, so that's why we use those um, those kind of hive stands this actually might be rather controversial what do you have sitting on top of your hive stands where the rest of your hive sits on well the first thing would be a bottom board that the hive is actually sitting on so do you want to get into what these hives are made of yeah you, you can really make them out of anything I mean, you can make a hive out of a cardboard box if you want. I mean, the, the they bees, got styrofoam the bees will live in a soffit. Yeah. They'll live in a fender of a truck. They'll live in a tree. You know, we we put these components together so it's easy for us um, to kind of get in and, and manipulate them. Here in Ohio, um, we our 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 hives have to be um, inspectable, and so to do that, there's lots of different styles of of hives. Everything from Langstrith hives, which have been around for a really long time, and we use kind of an adaption of the, of the Langstrith hive ourselves. Um, we also have um, some top bar hives here, which at this point I'm not a really big fan of because they're they're just they're very difficult um, to kind of manipulate. They're um, it, they're not super cross compatible with a, with a Langstrith hive, um, so it's a little bit trickier to get bees into them to get them started. Um, there's lots of other hives. There's long hives. There's worry hives. Um, there's um, observation hives. You know, if you ask yourself why you're keeping bees, you can help your, tune yourself into uh, what equipment that you need, what management practice that that you're gonna uh, employ to do these things. Um, so for us, Langstrith hives um, just work out great. So the components. Of let's say a standard Langstroth hive, because that's pretty much what we all run is the variation yeah. of the Langstroth. And most I would say it's the most common that's used. Yeah, it's, and, and, you know it's not common. It's it's common because it's been it's been around for a, a long time and it's been it's, it's been tried and tested and yeah proven. Yeah, yeah. It's you know like I said here in Ohio, it's handy to be able to have frames that you can pull out and you can pull the foundation out and not have it fall up on itself or you know the one of the one of the the, the hard things about a top bar hive is you, it, you have to really get in there and keep the combs from 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 cross combing. And you got to be real careful when you pull those top bars out um, to where you don't have the foundation busting off at the honey band. 
um, and then it's a big, big mess. And when that happens in a Langstroth hive, even when you're running like natural comb, it's really easy to get in there and, and fix that. But um, so we're talking about the bottom board. And what what two types of bottom boards are you familiar with, Dan? Solid and screened. And I've ran both. And what do you prefer and why? I have switched everything over to solid. Uh, I ran screen until uh, late fall of last year. And then I went out there with a thin, thin piece of plywood and covered it up before winter. And now I'm sticking to solids. What do you run, Greg? I also, in our first year, I started off with screen bottoms. A lot of folks use screen bottoms for ventilation. They will use a screen bottom um, because they're getting X percent of uh, control and varroa mites because the mites, once they're uh, picked off the bee, can fall through the screen and then don't come back into the into the hive. Um, but I use solid bottom boards, uh, and I use them primarily is I lost so many splits last year um, in the cool, wet weather uh, to a screen bottom board. Um and it just makes sense when you go out and walk in your bee yard first thing in the morning, um, especially in the fall or spring, you know, there's so much dew on the ground and the dew sets up on every flat surface. Um, and it seems like on that screen bottom boards, you're uh, encouraging more moisture to actually uh, to, to penetrate and get inside of the hive um, where that probably wouldn't be a problem at all if you had a big, healthy uh, production hive when you're making splits and you have young hives um, or, or new hives. Um, one of the biggest challenges I had making splits last year was the brood getting too cold. Um, so they couldn't keep all that where there was too much ventilation in there. So there's, there are boxes that are screens on the bottoms that have an insert where you could slide them in to close them off. Um, I'm just frugal and I like to, I like to build my equipment and the solid bottoms, even with the production hives just seem to, uh, keep the brood warm, uh, and, and, and keep them dry. I just want to let the folks know out there that this is uh, our our opinions here, and not a professional advice to you as far as this is a controversial topic among a lot of beekeepers. Oh, every oh, every yep. component of this, your you know even 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 the best of friends will will argue and wrestle around with why well, run you know this or I run that. So we're not we're not being divisive in this. We're just you know we just want to relay what we're actually running. And just folks, wait till we get to foundation. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like bringing up politics at Thanksgiving. Right. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you have your bottom board, and then you have the box on top of that. That first box is typically the brood chamber or the brood box. Now, and there's multiple different size boxes for this, correct? There is. There's there's medium boxes. There are deep boxes. Um, there are you really wouldn't. I don't. Not many folks are really using shallow size boxes um, anymore. But and there's uh, what like eight frame, ten frame, eight frame, ten frame. Yeah. So um, the let's say how tall the box is is referred to as either a medium or a deep. Of course, a medium is way smaller than a deep. A deep is much taller. Is uh, a medium about half of a deep and maybe a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. not not quite half, I wouldn't think, but right right around there, real, okay. real close. Um, and we use medium boxes here because, like I said, uh, the kids help and my wife helps. Um, it's not that I have a bad back, but... Uh, when you get old? When I get old, it's just they're, they're a medium box, uh, even an eight-frame medium box... Let's say it's full honey. I mean that you're still going to have you know thirty pounds. Yeah, you know I think the, the the key is you're not losing you're not losing honey by going to a smaller box because you can add on as many medium boxes as you want. Exactly, you're making it more manageable for you and your family. Right, and that that just meets my goal. Some some folks only want to go into deeps. Um, that's totally cool too. I like mediums; they seem to work with me. What what I like most about it 
whether it's deeps or mediums, is I like to have one size and that's it. Everything in my beer yard is one size. So you like the consistency aspect of yeah. it. If I need a box, I grab a box. I don't have to sort through and I'm short deeps or I'm short mediums or I need this. or Everything is one size. It's all cross compatible. I can stack them. I can remove them and I'm, I'm good to go. On my boxes, um, you know, so when you stack a box on top of uh, off your your bottom board, the bottom board tip in most uh, in most setups, that's the landing board, and that's where the bees are actually going to land on the board and go into the hive, and then folks will use reducers to either give them more or less space depending on what's going on in the hive. If there's other bees that are trying to rob them out uh, for ventilation and things like that, um, Dan, do you guys use landing boards? Uh, yeah, we do right now, but all the entrances are completely blocked off since we use uh, dials. And I think, uh, Jimbo, you're using dials too. Yeah, we've done the same thing. We blocked. There is the landing boards because that's what I had to begin with before I started this whole venture yeah. uh, and, and made the decision to go to dials and yeah. we just put reducers and uh, blocked it off. Yep. And when we first started, we were using landing boards with the standard opening all the way across and using a reducer to open and close them. And what we've kind of migrated to is no landing board at all. The whole front is flushed off. Mm-hmm. There is no there is no entrance for the bees to get to from the bottom board. We have an inch uh, and an eighth hole cut in the front of the hive and a little plastic disc that we can turn that either opens them up, closes them, or vents them. Um, and believe it or not, bees don't need a landing board. They'll land right on the hive right on the lip of that disc, and they, they go right into the hive, no and, problem. And again, this is another one of those controversial topics yeah. about using these discs, but I've seen it, you've seen it, Dan's seen it. They use they have no problem I going in I tell you what I, what I have seen is I've seen a whole lot less robbing using yeah. the entrance dials uh, and cutting the landing boards off. Last year, I had so many hives get robbed out, um, even splits that I made, because it was like the robber bees could come in, land right on the landing board, and then start one detected, and, and then start penetrating the hive. Yeah. Where now, when you close it off, and you, and you have the guard bees from our hive. Those robbers have a way harder uh, job to get in to try to rob them. Um, so it seems like the bees can protect the hive a little bit better, at least for us in our context there. Um, and if you had hive beetles, and hive beetles are flying around too, that's one less place that a hive beetle can land to get into your hive too. Yeah. So that that kind of helps. Um, so yeah, so on the back side of our boxes, and I think we're all doing similar things with that. Is we have um, at least, do you have vent holes on your on, on yours, Jimbo? Yeah, so the, we have the same size yeah. hole cut in the back, but there's no disc. It's just a screen that's stapled to it. Eighth inch hardware cloth, so the bees yep. can't get through or yep. um, predators can't get, get them, in from the outside. And this gives them a little bit of extra. Uh, so you get cross flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get, you get ventilation from the front through the back, and it helps uh, keep them cool. I don't have vent holes in mine. How much bearding have you seen this year? Uh, not actually a lot since we're in northwestern Ohio. It's rather open area. There's always a breeze moving. It's never, ever really still. Right. So I think that's my one big benefit. Also, you had smaller hives, uh, going throughout the year because you made a ton of splits. Yes. We went from two hives to 10 down to nine, but yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, ventilation is going to be more important, uh, going into the fall going into the winter yes. time and so uh, so uh the typical hive setup is you're going to have your bottom board you're going to have your box we've talked about that your brood boxes the brood chamber yeah and that's where the queen is laying all the you know laying laying the eggs and all that development is starting and then you have another box on top of that now sometimes the bottom portion of the second box will also have brood in it um and then above that will start to be honey is there um, a way to stop that brood 
You can, and, and some folks will put a queen excluder in between the brood box and this new box that we're talking about. This this second box, for most folks, is referred to as a super or a honey super. Or third, since we run you you run double mediums for your brood chambers and your production hives, uh, or do you just run single? Right now, I'm running single brood boxes with okay. a honey super on top. Um I'm I'm going to try to go into winter time with just two medium boxes and see um, see how that fares. But you know the word super gets used a lot, and it's like a honey super. Is it a brood super? What's a super? I'm not even sure where that. If, if anybody knows where the word super came from, let us know. But a super is like it's a, it's a box on top. So it's your second box that you know you, that you put on after initial first box that you've. You know, put your I, bees in. I wouldn't really assign it a number. I would say it's the box that's on top of the brood chamber meant for storing honey. I just want to kind of break it down for someone yes. who doesn't understand this. They just need a visual of what this oh, is. Oh, absolutely. But I know, like me, I'm very much by the numbers, so I'd always think that no matter what, that second box. I think is when, when folks refer to I'm I'm supering my hives right now, or I'm putting a super on. I think the the most uh, basic understanding of that is they're putting a honey super on. It's a box going on top of their brood. That's the goal of that box is to store honey. It's to store honey. Right. So it doesn't matter how many brew chambers you have. Yeah. The super on top is typically the box that's holding the honey. Because you can find some hives that are like eight and nine boxes high. You can have some folks that don't even inspect their hives and they just stack boxes all the way up and they'll have four or five boxes of brood and five, six boxes of honey. So is there no rhyme or reason to how this happens with brood and honey? Well, there's there's things that can happen throughout the year where the queen can run out. She can run out of space to lay in the bottom box, and she needs to go up higher mm-hmm. um, to start laying. And then, so if that box above is you know full of honey and there's no place for her to lay, then she can get honey bound, and then you can she can actually slow down or stop laying until she has more um, space. That's why you know either most folks will get in every nine to eleven days to inspect their hive, move frames around, so the queen always has fresh foundation to lay on. Or they'll just keep adding boxes on top, and they'll go through and sort through and pull the honey off if they want. So if I have two boxes, and the one's the brood, and I see the second box is a honey, mm-hmm. it's honey super, and you see that that's mostly honey, and I want to add a third box, should I put that third box in the middle between the two? I don't know. Try what, it. See what happens. I think what most folks do is they'll they'll put a what's called, what's called a queen excluder above the brood box, which will contain the queen below this this piece of equipment and then typically there some are made of metal some are plastic but it's a very thin very uh very thin piece of plastic a sheet of plastic that has have, have grooves little grooves cut out that the worker bees can go through because of their size they can go up to the box above and start drawing out foundation or or storing honey but the queen and the drones can't get through it they're too big but what if I already got two boxes full of bees and I got no clue where that queen is? Yeah, so you could do a lot of things. You could, you could go through and find her. You could you could set up um, boxes with a queen excluder on top and shake all the bees through the queen excluder to where the only thing left on top of that excluder is the big bees, which would be the drones and the queens, and you could find your queen. You know, there's so many different ways. We could talk for years about oh, yeah. flipping boxes and staggering boxes. That's a and, show in itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the, typically the, the the super is where the honey goes, and that's that box that goes above. So all of our boxes have the dials in the front and the screens on the back, and so um, almost all. 
So just to clean up, almost all, yeah. Just to clarify for people out there, when we say brood chamber, it's not like just some mythical place with inside the the hive. It's literally your first box, or maybe part of their typically second box. Typically, it's, it's going to be the, the lower portions of the hive is typically the brood, the brood chambers. It could be one, two, three, depending on how you run your hives. But typically, the brood's going to be in the bottom. There's uh, coming out of the spring. You know, sometimes that queen, uh, she'll move up top where there's available space and start laying. And so, you know, folks will say, oh my gosh, my queen's not in the bottom. I can't find her. She, you know, maybe she's actually up top. And so some folks will then take those boxes and they'll flip them. They'll put the queen with the current brood on the bottom and move things around. You know, what, what I have noticed with bees is why we've gone away from 10 frame and we've gone to five and eight frame is it seems like bees want to move. They want to work and move up. They're productive right. moving upwards and less productive moving outwards. outwards, just like in a bee tree. So by running like five frame and eight frame boxes, we're more, I think, mimicking natural bee trees. And, and we're, we're kind of mimicking that vertical production as opposed to the horizontal. And that's, that's a great example of how they work traditionally in nature with trees. They want to go up. Right. And if you think about it, that's why we don't put... A, you know, two boxes on immediately. You want to let them fill out that first box before you even put on that next box. Yeah. Because then they'll just skip completely what's left on the first box and just go right up. Then they may do that, and it's you know depending on what time of year it is, that's more real estate for them to have to keep warm. Um, so uh, I like to like like what you said. I like to keep my boxes contained and then add on um, if I'm supering or if I'm adding an, if I want a second brood box. Um, so, so that's that's kind of the different boxes that go on there. They typically hold brood, um, and then you'll have uh, supers, which are for honey on top. Lots of different combinations um, to kind of uh, do all that. There's a queen excluder that folks will put between the brood and the honey super sometimes to keep the queen contained. I don't even fool with that um, myself. I don't it's, it's more of a preference. Yeah. I, you know, I think you could maybe. I don't. I don't know for a fact, but it seems like you could have a uh, life life expectancy issue with the workers when they're always squeezing their wings through that queen excluder to get to the the top box. Um, but that's why again we have vents on the back side and we have dials on the front. So if we want to open the dial on the honey super, maybe the bees will have less steps they have to take when they fly in to get to the box. They can fly directly into the honey super and do their work rather than going into the entrance and then climbing their way up. Um, We've we've spoken a lot about ventilating the boxes and this and that. Is there a way to ventilate the boxes with the top of the hive? So that's where an inner cover comes in. Uh, folks, some folks use inner covers, which is another you know smaller, slimmer piece of wood um, that goes on the on, on top of your very top box. Um, and there's usually an oval di- an oval hole cut out right in the center of it. And then on the very front lip, there's a little hole cut too, and that's to help encourage convection heat to, to work its way up through the hive and then leave the top part um, of, of that inner cover. What's also, uh, I think why a lot of folks use an inner cover is whatever you put, whatever surfaces are touching each other, um, corners, crevices, the bees propolize and they, they glue them shut um, with the propolis. And so sometimes you can have troubles with the lid being propolized to the top part of your box and you can't get them off. That's usually, I think, more so with folks that don't inspect their hives. They're never getting into their hives. Or that it's propolis and builds up. And it's yeah. very, it, it's, it, cr- it does create a glue and it's, it's sometimes t- uh, tricky uh, to get off if not, um, you know, busting up your equipment. For so no other reason to get into your, to go in your hives, that should be like the top reason right there. Yeah. 
So the inner cover is yeah. handy for some folks because it'll it, it keeps. So then when you put the lid on top of your inner cover, you can pop your lid off. The only thing that you're Jimmy and loose is the inner cover. Uh, I I used to use inner covers, as did I. And what I noticed is I always had a ton of ants and a ton of hive beetles on the top and on the inside yes. of the inner cover. And so I said, Look, well, let's get rid of the inner covers and see what happens. And it, I mean, it really reduced uh, ants and, and hive beetles. So now I have uh, above my very top box, it's just a lid. I, I run the same way. There's no inner cover, just a straight lid. So what kind of lids are you running, Dan? Um, I've built the migratory ones to where there's just a piece of wood in the front and back. I got those on half the hives. I also built uh, telescopic ones, I believe. And it's it's the typical four square wood pieces around it with a piece of uh, plywood on top. We What's- actually use subflooring, which is really water resistant. And so far, it's worked out a lot better than I thought. And to be clear, we're using Advantic. Yes, subflooring, which mm-hmm. is impregnated with a resin, uh, to where it can with, withstand the weather. Yes, and that's a trick we, we we got from Don the Fat Bee Man, and it has really worked out well. It's worked exceptional. It's a little bit heavier, but that's also a good thing too, as well. And what's great about it is I have lids that I've built that I've uh, with, with all the rough cut lumber we have that we've planed down to where it's like a half inch or three quarter inches in width, um, to where the sides of the lid are flush with the box. The front and back of the lid have a little bit of lip to conceal, uh, to keep the lid from from falling off. But when you're using even plywood um, or uh, solid wood that you've planed down, wood's going to expand and contract with moisture, with temperature. And I I definitely see some warping and some movement in my lids where the Advantic stays flat and it hugs that box really nice. Yeah, I've noticed that too this whole year as well. And the same thing. So with our lids, I think we're all using a similar lid is we have a hole saw cut in the top part of the lid that the jars will fit into and what i've noticed is the advantage lids that hole stays true so when you're putting jars taking jars off and on that hole is always the same size with the solid boards and even the plywood as that wood expands and contracts um that it'll get really tight to try to squeeze and fit that jar in there sometimes so that's kind of a that's kind of a um a, a trickier part which is another reason why i love the advantage um things for lids so just to quickly recap, we have a hive stand, then we have a bottom board, we have a brood box, a honey super, a top lid, and then depending on what style you run, you have different things in between that. Well, what we did talk about was all this, all those silly little things that go in between all the boxes. Right, and they have they have um, they have purpose. To all those things depend on your context. This year, I used a hive. I used a queen excluder in a couple situations where we were doing some queen grafting, um, and I wanted to use the top box for warmth and for numbers and heat and keep the drones and, and queens out. So there are purposes for all these kind of things. Um, so you know that's great. So now we've talked about everything from the bottom to the top and all the boxes. But what are the things that are actually in the boxes? Well, right, frames. Frames. That's one of the more important I mean, ones. The biggest thing that we need to talk about is the right. frames. And yeah. those vary. There's there's frames oh. that have little wedge bars to secure the foundation. There's just grooves. You know, that kind of de- you know all depends on, on what your goals are. What kind of what kind of frames are you using, Jimbo? I have go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I actually use uh, the wedge top with a grooved bottom. Yep. I can remove that wedge. I'll staple it in there with a or I'll nail it in there with a uh, was a crown nailer 
little brad nail yeah yeah a little brad nailer and uh i can easily pull those uh nails out with my hive tool and replace foundation if i need to so your frames are completely reusable when you use that wedge bar you can pop that little wedge bar um it's like a little pressure plate that squeezes the top of the foundation to keep it in place and so i think uh, most of us are probably using a wired foundation that has little wire hooks to top mm-hmm. that kind of slip into that wedge area then the wedge locks everything in place and so the frame is the com- the frame is the com- is the wooden rectangular component that stores the foundation that you can pop in and out to inspect, to manipulate, mm-hmm. to take off the spin. Since we're required to have removable frames, right? So. And I got the same frames as well. And I I paid a uh, one thing I outsourced was I paid a ten year old kid to make all these frames for me. Child labor. Child labor. How dare I? I know. And he was my son, and Jake did a heck of a good job. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he built a lot of frames too. for a lot of us here in the area, and it's uh, it's great because he's 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 in it. He loves doing that kind of stuff. Um, so there's different types of foundation that actually go in the frame. Well, I mean, if you want to start a fight on Facebook, let's talk oh about my. foundation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, Dan, what, what kind of different, uh, foundation types are there? Oh gosh. You can run starter strips. You can run unwired foundation. You can run blank foundation. You can run crimped wired foundation. You can run plastic. You can run plastic and plastic frames to where it's all been molded as one we personally use uh crimped wire foundation mostly for wax the, foundation yeah for the honey supers and then uh we'll use a combination of that and uh starter strips which is just a normal piece of foundation with the comb already pressed into it and we'll take a pizza cutter and we'll actually roll across it to cut out an inch and a half strip off of that and uh put it in our wedge or our wedge bar frame and that's what we'll use and we'll uh so we'll generally put one of those starter strips, and then next to it will be a full sheet of foundation, then a starter strip, then a full sheet of foundation. But we primarily use that for just brood because that the honey supers will be spun at some point, and I want that extra durability with the uh, honey supers. Now, why would you do a strip uh, compared to a whole sheet? Well, you could not only can you be frugal because uh, foundation is expensive, um, but what I've noticed is the bees will draw out a starter strip almost twice as fast as they'll draw out a full sheet of foundation. So it's a, it's a timing thing. They'll, they seem to draw out um, when they have more work ahead of them. They seem to like just go like gangbusters and actually draw that out. Um, where some folks like Dan mentioned, don't like to have uh, that um, is if they're using like motorized uh, honey, honey spinners, extractors. Uh, for us, we run a lot of, of starter strips where half of our, uh, frames are all natural drawn comb and where that's handy is if you are cutting out queens um, or doing anything inside the hive you don't have any wires or plastic to kind of cut through um, and even for the honey supers uh, last year when we spun if you do it by hand you can start slow and then build up your speed and even naturally drawn comb uh, so you're calling really good you're calling naturally drawn comb just the starter strips that they've filled out completely right exactly so an inch of our starter strip and from an inch all the way down they're drawing okay. all that foundation out yep or, or we also had some that just had a little bit of wax on where that wedge bar was that with no foundation they draw it all the way down okay they for whatever reason the bees just seem to to draw those out way quicker than uh drawing foundation we have used plastic in the past too um it, it from my limited experience they they would always draw out the wax twice as fast as they did the plastic. 
which I think is why a lot of folks will, will brush a little layer of wax on top of the plastic cells to kind of encourage the, the bees. Well, I know to- a lot of plastic. I've actually looked at plastic foundation a little bit. And uh, I've noticed that there's a few companies out there that double dip and even triple dip their plastic foundation. And I know personally, I have some plastic foundation in my hives right now. And I honestly can't tell you where they're at. Because they get covered up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, so that's foundation. Lots of different types. There's uh, also different sizes of cells. And we'll talk about more of that this year. Uh, I use all small cell foundation, 4.9 millimeters. You guys are using large cell foundation, 5.4. So we have two different sizes of bees. That also, that that actual number varies between where you're getting your foundation from. The most standard large cell is 5.4. But what you'll notice is if you put a a starter strip in and let them draw it out, sometimes you'll get like a 5.1, 5.2 to 5.4. But... it's been my experience that they tend to want to draw a slightly smaller cell from the from the from the template that you give them to yes. work out. Um, except for the small cell, they t- they tend to draw out four nine no matter what they do, and I and I measure it to kind of see. Um, but we'll talk about more about small cell versus large cell, and if it even matters, um, like putting small cell foundation in a large cell hive, um, and vice versa. I've done that. Yeah. I want to uh, touch quickly on tools where I see there's a whole wide variety of tools you can buy for beekeeping. Uh, in your opinion, Greg, as a you know third-year beekeeper, what would you think are just the essential necessary tools to start off with? Well, most folks are going to grab the catalogs and just start ordering all kind of stuff and burning through and wasting a lot of money on stuff that they think they need, but they actually don't. Uh, I used to carry on a five-gallon bucket that had uh, organizers and I had all kinds of different tools and gadgets and stuff in there. Uh, the only thing that I go out into the bee yard with anymore is a hive tool that's in my back pocket and a smoker. Um, so let's talk about smokers first. There's smaller and there's larger smokers. Um, there's probably all the different kinds of billows and all those kind of things. My go-to um, smoker is just a large commercial size dated um, smoker. Yep. Um, and... You know, once you learn how to light a smoker correctly, I mean, that thing will stay lit literally all day long. What do you use for fuel? Uh, so I usually start with uh, with some paper. Uh, well, it's like here in Ohio, most of us are pretty familiar with lighting a wood fire, um, and probably with gasoline. But I don't usually use <laughs> gasoline to light a fire uh, with the bees. But I'll use like I'm building any kind of a small fire. I'll use uh, some paper, some some light combustible material first. Um, then I'll throw some bigger tinder in, maybe some cardboard, uh, and get some good flames going. Then I'll start adding pine. I love pine needles. So yeah. I'll start adding pine needles in, and where I'm getting a good hot, uh, like a like like a uh, train smokestack coming out of the top. It's bellowing real, real good. Um, I maybe have some flame shooting out the top, and then I'll keep packing it with pine needles. Um, and then for me, uh, for our pest management, I'll use uh, comfrey, staghorn sumac, uh, rhubarb. Uh, things like that also in there to help cool off that smoke. Um, and I like to you know make sure that the smoke, when I blow it on my wrist or hand, is cool, cold smoke, and not hot, fiery, full of embers. So I build a really hot fire at first, pack it really tight with pine needles, um, comfrey, staghorn, sumac, and pack those on top so it's a nice, cool smoke uh, coming through. And I, so, I, so I prefer that tall, big, commercial so, smoker. big shock, I do it completely different. We use pine needles and actually wood chips, yeah. and I completely bypass the whole paper and cardboard process. Uh, when I'm done, I'll set it outside in front of the garage and 
just let it go out on its own. Yeah. I can usually pull the dry stuff off on top. I'll set it aside, give a couple puffs to get all the ashes out. Then I just stick the blowtorch in there and write all, relight all those black uh, pine needles and wood chips, puff a little bit, and then start stacking and getting it nice and tight. And then I actually use some of our field grass to cool down that smoke. Yep. What's your preferred method, Jimbo? Well, I, I don't have a preferred method right now because I'm still in those stages of learning how to actually keep to, to light the smoker right and keep it burning. And so um, I, I've had a few lucky cha- uh, runs of it burning, but then I've had some runs where I've had to go back in the middle and relight it and get it going again. Um, so what I've been using is cardboard, paper. Um, you know, I've thrown in comfrey as well as um i don't really have pine needles on my property not that i found yet uh, so when i get a chance to collect those this fall i'm going to uh in other places um i will i will admit that i've even thrown in a 100 percent cotton rag into the smoker and just lit that on fire if i had yeah, to and like burlap is another really good starter and it, it the way that it burns you know if you made your own charred cloth those were great inside of there too it, i think it's important to you know Think about what do you have laying around that you can just grab and use. Of course, you're not going to want to put in plastics and things that have chemicals in them, but like gasoline. But you know, like you, <laughs> but you could spend so much money going to tractor supply company or Roarking and buying what they silly s- wood pellets. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, wood pellets are a fifty pound bag for ten bucks will last you a few seasons. Yeah, for, whatever for, works for, for you. For, you know? Yeah, for ten bucks, I could uh, pay my kid to go grab. 25 gallon buckets full of uh pine needles, pine needles. yeah but so is we it don't have pine what, what you're comfortable with and, yeah um you know what you like to use and the last thing is really you know there's different kind of hive tools uh there's one with little you know snelled hooks on them there's the regular standard where it's flat on one side with a 90 degree angle on, on the other um there's all kinds of different multi-style tools i personally just like a standard old hive tool and uh another, another trick that i've learned is i like to round off the edges don't um, stab yourself. <laughs> and I, I've got scars where I've laid myself open uh, when I put the hive tool in my pocket, my back pocket, where I've run my wrist across it. Yep. And that hurts. Um, so I usually I'll round off my edges so I don't have anything sharp. So when I do put it in my pocket and then turn it to where that that fine edge of that turn, turn down edge of the hive tool is actually facing your rear and not facing out. So if you do sit in your truck seat or on your couch, <laughs> you're not going to bust through and, and tear that up. I actually use the one with the J-hook on the end yep. to pop frames up, and I always just throw it in my pocket, sharp end down. Yep. I, I quickly want to throw out there, you know, uh, for first-year beekeepers here, uh, it's not exactly what you may consider a tool, but I consider it to be tools as, you know, your bee suits and yep. and whatnot. Um, don't make the mistake, it's personal opinion again, don't make the mistake of buying spending money on b- gloves for the suit. You know, you know, you can, you know, the big, you know, cumbersome big, gloves, bulky, bulky gloves. Yeah, I got away from I, that this year. I bought them thinking, well, that's what you got to do. This is what everyone says, right? And I've, you know, found personally, even after listening to everyone else, that you're better off just putting on latex gloves and not even using these big bulky gloves because the big bulky gloves, you're going to end up smushing bees. Not on purpose, but just because you don't have the dexterity to handle frames with them. Exactly, it, it, but it's also a matter of comfort too. If it's if if you're if you're still afraid of bees, which most people are going to be at first, and if, if you're not going to get into your hives unless you feel like you have protection in your hands, then by all means do that. 
and you know there are other silly tools to help you be more have, have more dexterity like a frame gripper when i almost cut my finger off and i only had one hand i used that frame gripper when i was only when i was down to one hand to pull a frame out to inspect it and put it back um so you know don't be afraid to use things at first and then learn why you know they don't they don't work for you anymore but i agree with jimbo the you have zero dexterity with leather gloves um to reach in there to feel um I don't. I don't use. Very rarely do I use gloves, and when I do, I use nitrile gloves, mm-hmm. so I can actually feel. You can still feel the bees walking on you. You can still feel them fanning. You can feel when you're about to press down on one. So everything that every step, everything that you can do to where you're not crushing a bee, to me, is the better because you're not riling up a hive. You can still. You're in tune. You can hear what everything's. You can hear what they're doing. You can get a sense for what's going on in the hive if you stay calm and they're calm. And the best way to do that is not killing bees. Yeah, and if you're inadvertently killing the bees, you're alarming the hive, and right. you're more likely to get in a situation you don't want to be in. Yeah. So what kind of suits do you wear? Well, I wear a triple ventilated uh, suit. Um, a jacket or a, j- a full. I started off at a at a full, uh, you know, just because I, you know, that was what to do, you know, start off at a full. But yeah. as I went through the season, it just was too cumbersome. Every time I want to go out to the bees, and you know, it, it just became a pain in the butt. So I just switched to a jacket. So I have both now. So yeah. it's it's okay to have the full suit that I can have the wife wear, it, yeah, or a guest or someone. Guest, yeah. Yeah. yeah, who, who want, if they want to feel very protected well, yeah. and safe, it's great to have. Exactly, it's always great to have another jacket around. Yeah, I mean, like suit. you said, it's great for someone, like a visitor who wants that full protection. Yeah. But once you feel comfortable knowing that I could wear my jeans with just a jacket. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm not worried about getting stung on my jeans. Right. And depending on you know uh, your comfort level with the bees and and the personality of your bees, most time I don't I don't wear a suit, I don't wear a veil, I don't wear gloves. Um, there's sometimes that I do. Like recently, when I was uh, checking for mites, you're getting a lot of bees real angry and they're going to let you know. So in that case, I, I, I did protect myself, but um, it's a matter of preference. And, and more importantly, it's a matter of what are you comfortable with? Because if you're not comfortable and you're anxious and you're hot and you're, you're, you're building up anxiety, the, the bee, the bees will sense that and they'll react to that. So if you can keep yourself cool, you can keep yourself calm. Um, you're going to, you're going to be more mentally aware um, there's been times like when I first got started where I was in a regular bee jacket that was super, super hot, uh, big leather gloves that were super hot. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't really see out of my veil. And then I would do stuff and the bees would get angry and get mad. And then once you start to pick up on that, you get anxious and I'm getting hot. And then I mean, you get that tunnel vision when, when, the, when the anxiety kicks in and you're making you know poor choices. Fight or flight. And then you know, you're working your hives and your buddy Dan calls you and your phone's in your back pocket on vibrate. <laughs> right. and you think you're getting busted up by bees on top of all of it you know so so be comfortable so you can stay calm what do you prefer dan i actually ran all last year with a uh just a jacket uh with the leather gloves and uh the veil was attached to it uh but it was a single layer canvas jacket and i only at the most i had four hives so it wasn't terrible out there but this year as i started to expand a little bit and i was spending a lot more time in the bee yard it was kind of ridiculous to have something that wasn't ventilated. So I went it gets out. hot quick, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Actually, I found one on Amazon. Yep. Got me a ventilated jacket, and I absolutely love it now. So it's yep. totally different. I threw away the leather gloves. Uh, I got neoprene, th- a little bit thicker neoprene gloves. Not like, oh, the dishes thick, but enough dexterity to where I can actually feel around. I can feel when I'm cr- 
I got a finger on a bee or something like that. You know, one thing about the leather gloves is here's what I think most folks don't realize is especially beginners when they're using leather gloves and they're they're learning about the bees and they're getting they're building that experience in their hive, you're making mistakes and you're killing bees and your bees are stinging you and they're stinging your gloves. And when they sting your gloves, they deposit that alarm pheromone. And you're like well, shoving a, it right back in a hive, <laughs> and you're and you're waving it around, and then you you get away from your hives, and you come back the next time, and you're wondering why are these bees, you know, busting my hands up again? Right. What in the world's going on? And then, yeah, so you're spending more money on a second, a third bee suit. Right. I mean, it's a, there's a simple solution here. If you're wearing some kind of nitrate or latex glove, you double glove. Yeah. Or if they're those, they're disposable and you don't. So what happens with the leather gloves is when they deposit that alarm pheromone, that scent stays in that leather glove. It's like a sponge. Yeah. And when you come back the next time or the rest of your day in the bee yard, you're waving around a target sign that says, sting me, I'm bad guy. Well, that wasn't even my problem. My problem was there was so much propolis and other stuff on there just from working them that my gloves were just so sticky that it was really difficult Hard to, do. to deal with. There's yeah. multiple issues there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if, if if you can, get away from leather gloves. Use nitrile. If, if you build up a comfort level and a bee temperament where you don't need them, just try it. You know, and we'll, maybe we'll, we'll talk more about maybe getting in tune uh, and, and having that inner peace when you're working the hive. Get to that point first or learn how to develop that, and then you'll be amazed on how the rest of the day pans out if you just take the time to get yourself right and in tune mm-hmm. um, before you get started days that i'm in a bad mood or things aren't going right and you know there's all kinds of chaos at home and work and i go to work to, i'm not in a good mood when i go to work the bees it always doesn't turn out real well but so, if i take the time to just relax it's a different story not to dig into another more controversial topic probably on the same level i'd say as foundation what do you guys use as feeders and what have you used in the past? We've talked a lot about feeding bees, and I know in the other Hive Basics shows, it's come up at least both of those about feeding them. Yeah, I've used in the past, uh, I started off using Hive Top Feeders, which is an insert that lays inside of a box to where you can put a gallon of syrup inside, and the bees have a channel they can crawl up through and climb down some wire to where they, they drowned less. Um, I used those at first, and I just I had a lot of problems with a lot of drowning bees, um, but also it was like a it was like a uh, like a free for all um, for robbers because there was so much fluid in there. One of the big problems that I had is there was always ants. There's always hive beetles around them. My yeah, my problem was I I ran uh, I had two eight frame hive tops and two ten frame hive tops, and drowning bees wasn't a real issue with it. Uh, my huge issue was there were. It was just a major attractant for hive beetles. I've, right. It was an ongoing battle last year with hive beetles uh, to the point to where I even ordered hive beetle traps, this and that, and I end up looking and thinking hard about this year, and I stopped using them. And I honestly, out of the 10 hives this year, I think I found two maybe. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a game changer. So instead of uh, using hive top feeders, we're using mason jars that are inverted and they sit in, in a hole in the lid and then so it only holds a quart at a time um, but what's nice about that is i can go out in the bee yard and i can look at all the hives and see who has sugar and who doesn't and so it, how do you get that liquid out of the mason jar so in the lid of the mason jar um, we're using a, a t50 staple and we will staple through that lid and then pull that staple out and it creates two very very small holes this is nothing that we created a lot of the our approach is is based on stuff that we've learned from from Don the Fat Bee Man 
he has plans and more information about all these kind of things on his YouTube channel. Um, but it works really well. Um, before I've used a, like a, the smallest bit I've had in my index, drill yeah. index, and it was still too big and I would have too much, uh, I would, I, I was drowning some bees. Um, but the T50 is so small and it works out really, really good. Um, I love the, the mason jar on top. Cause like I said, I, I can look out and see exactly what's going on, who needs feed. Um, and then that just helps me, you know, be more productive and, and effective in a shorter amount of time. I don't have to open up any hives to feed yes, them. Yes, and that's what that's one of the things I did not like about the hive top. Is there are also frame feeders which go inside of the box. I've been looking that at that a little bit wider, quite a bit. Um, they seem I don't know they seem kind of problematic to me. One person that I know that uses them is uh, Mike Palmer, and he I think uses them in between like when he's making splits and queen castles as a way to feed those early splits. In that time frame where the queen is emerging and getting made and coming back, all the nurse bees still have all the feed right inside of the hive. And I think there's, I think that's pretty slick. Um, the Fat Bee Man has plans on his website um, for a hive top feeder that doesn't drown bees uh, and doesn't attract hive beetles like the big ones. Like I think the, they're pro- the most folks refer to them like as the Man Lake hive top yeah. feeder. Yeah everyone's um is real similar to that but uh don has a different style of that um that i, I do want to try um but I, it's a matter of you know like right now i have i'm out of equipment yeah and so i got to get in there and and make stuff which is going to be this winter and i might try to make some of those hive top feeders um to kind of see you know how they work jimbo what are you using for feed well i'm using the same thing you guys are Core jars <laughs> yeah. on top yeah i mean it works great um because there's such a tiny hole from the staples that we put in them, there's no room for little insects or critters to get inside there. So I mean, it's been working beautifully. I there's like no ants swimming around in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they they seem to work out. You know, really good. The only problem with them is in the uh, early spring and then late fall when you have the temperature fluctuations, uh, the the pressure changes outside, and that that design is based on vacuum. Yes. And so when that temperature changes and the vacuum changes, you can have that liquid start to drip through those T50 holes, and then you get liquid dripping on bees. And then, you know, like most, you've heard most folks say, the cold is not what kills the bees. It's the moisture. It's the moisture when it's cold that kills the bees. And so when it gets that cold and you have the fluctuations, like for me, I don't usually put those on until it's about 50 degrees at the lowest, 45 to 50 at the very lowest. Um, anything cooler than that, they seem to drip and they drip on the bees and make a really big mess. So that's usually my cutoff in the spring and also the fall when I'll pull the pull the feed off um, is when it starts to get nights that are below 45 and 50. I'll, I won't use those jars anymore. But, um, you know, that that's regular season feeding. And, you know, a lot of folks will make fondant. Yeah, do you I, feed fondant in the uh, winter at all? Last year I did. They didn't touch it because they had plenty of honey. Yeah, but it's nice if you have a if you if you can if you can set up your boxes and we can talk maybe more about that um, when we get into wintering our hives and what we're yeah. doing as the season unfolds. Um, more about you know how to do that, but um, we did feed some last year. They never even touched it, um, so they had plenty of honey you know inside. So um, so There's, anyways, I, I think we've, we've well we've helped maybe uh, you we know, missed one. What did we miss? Entrance feeders. That's right, Boardman. Yes, which is a quart jar or a mason mm-hmm. jar. Yep, that fits on a little piece of plastic or wood that slips into the front entrance yep. of a hive. Yeah, and um, which is that you, maybe an alternative solution during the spring and fall? If you don't want to drill out your the lid of your hive, you can always just slip one of those little mason jars. I don't have any experience um, using Neither those, do I. but uh, the biggest 
uh, downfall to those that I've heard from folks is it seems to entice robbing, robbing. because yep. the sugar is right there on the front. And so all of, all of the robber bee has to do, or even the yellow jacket, is just go, go right in the front entrance and the, the feed's right there. Yep. Versus the court jars at the very top of the hive. So if someone wants to go rob them, they have to go in the hive, go all the way up, go to the lid. Yep. And that, that's less that's less likely. So uh, Boardman work out really great, and they're available in most hive um Real, hive kits. Real King has them. Royal King, TSC. I mean, they're, they're popular. You can buy them anywhere, yeah. Like, any, like anything. Everything has a purpose and a place. If yep. you can just understand why they exist, you can better uh, determine you know how to use those um, to is fit. Is it right for me? Your, is it right yeah. for me? So... Well, I think that'll about cover it uh, now as far as hive components. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, uh, like I said, we could talk more about all these things in, in much greater detail, but hopefully we've built um, some basic foundation as to what these things are, um, what they're used, what they're not used for. Um, so, yeah, so I think with that, I mean, thanks, guys, yeah. for uh, for checking in again and listening to the show. I know there's some things we missed. Uh, don't, don't hesitate to get on social media and tell us what we missed, what you used, what you used that we didn't talk about your experiences with it and some of those things that we didn't use or we haven't used yet, what your experiences with them. You know, if it worked for you, but not for us, we still want to hear about that. Exactly. Yeah. So thanks again for all the feedback and, uh, you know, keep, keep on liking and subscribing, uh, to the feeds there, share us on Facebook, uh, help us get the word out and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get after it here again real soon. Sounds good. As always, be the change. Keep it contrary. Toodles. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) This is really cute. You guys are drinking lemonade. That's really sweet. Dan's drinking lemonade while smoking a pipe. Where do we go? I like the silence because you know I'm right. Awkward. See, I don't think this would be appropriate for the outtake section. (laughs) Okay, we got all this. Maybe we just need to turn on some Miley Cyrus. So I put my hands up and play my song, but if I fly away, not in my head like yeah. <laughs> <laughs>